0: Welcome to Forever White Belt, I'm your host Adolfo Fronda. Today on the show I have Half Gracie Brown Belt and Judo Black Belt, Yoshi Yamaguchi. Yoshi is a super charismatic, booming personality and heir apparent to the Kurt Osiander move of the week. This is fitting as Yoshi trained under Kurt for so long. You have got to go see his videos on your social platform of choice, they're really fun to watch, the kid is a star. Yoshi is also quite insightful, honest and candid. In the episode, we talk about taking long breaks, judo for BJJ, his vast competition experience, belt expectations, and so much more. Just a reminder, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify and share this podcast with a friend. It really helps us out. Consider becoming a patron. Leave us feedback and suggestions on how we can improve the show at anchor.fm forward slash foreverwhitebelt. Like us on Facebook and TikTok at Forever White Belt, And check us out on Instagram at Forever White belt Show. Go buy your Forever White Belt swag at teespring.com forward slash forever-white-belt. dash And if you ever get to beautiful Northern California, please come roll with us at North Bay Jiu-Jitsu in the city of Novato. There are amazing instructors and everyone there are great people. They offer judo, kickboxing, wrestling, and a whole lot more. Mention the podcast and get two weeks free. And with that, I give you Yoshi Yamaguchi. Yoshi, welcome to the show, man.
1: Ah, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: I found out about you when I saw some of these IG posts all of a sudden, these mm-hmm. fantastic move of the day type <laughs> of things. And uh, so I was much. like, I got I got to talk to this guy. You're a brown belt under uh,
1: Alf? I'm a brown belt under Half Gracie. I train at the Half Gracie headquarters here in San Francisco. I'm also a black belt in judo under Kevin O at the University of San Francisco. I was on the collegiate university team there. Did you
0: start with judo first or were you doing this like simultaneous training? So
1: a little bit of both. I started off with judo. So my father and my uncle are both black belts and both their uncles are black belts. It goes pretty back in my family a very long time. So my dad, when I was five years old, put me in, in judo practice because it to him, it was cheaper than a uh, daycare. So he just threw me there. I was in judo from like four to eight, competed a little bit. And then I took a big break. My father was in the military. So we moved around a lot, we moved to a state that didn't have access to a judo program. So I just did like the regular sports, you know, high school football, all that. And then when I was 15, I moved back to San Francisco and my brother was doing Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And uh, I did both, but I just had a super, super affinity towards the, the, the grappling, the Jiu Jitsu. It brought me back. And then after doing uh, Jiu Jitsu for about a year from 15 to 16, I joined the City College of San Francisco. They had a Judo program. So yeah. I joined that and I did Jiu Jitsu and Judo at the same time. And uh, yeah, I've just been kind of juggling both ever since.
0: For people that don't know, actually, the University of San Francisco is famous for having a really great judo program from what I've heard Mm -hmm. from a lot of people. And what a fantastic base for you to start with.
1: Yeah, I'm very lucky, very lucky, especially having uh, the big powerhouse for collegiate judo in the entire nation is San Jose State, and they're like the top, top dog. So uh, being yeah. close to them, having able to like go train with them sometimes, or at least people that train there, and then having access to, to that high level of people that always come and visit them has definitely been helpful. And just the competing, being on the same circuit as, as people at that caliber was always super helpful. The University of San Francisco is pretty small, but our sensei is very, very good. Like I owe so much to Sensei Kevin O. If you listen to this, shout out to that guy, because uh, he really... He He's really an amazing individual. He cares so much about the team and he really pushed me to be the best possible junoka I could be.
0: So, then how did you stumble upon House?
1: So, I was training at this small school called World Team USA. It was on Ocean Avenue in San Francisco. It was mainly a Muay Thai school that had Jujitsu, jitsu but it was the foundation of that school was a Muay Thai, Muay Thai gym. And I was there until Blue Belt. There was a few different guys. Uh, one of the first instructors I had, his name was Philippe Jerry uh, de Oliveira. He was a Gracie Baja black belt. Uh, then after he left, there's a bunch of instructors that ended up coming through there. Uh, let me top of my head like Ngino Biao. He's like uh, one of the head IBJJF guys. Tony Eduardo, he's from uh, Florianopolis. Uh, Marcel Fortuna, he was in the UFC there's a bunch of guys that ended up teaching jujitsu at this small Muay Thai school. So I got a bunch of different tastes of jujitsu from different areas and got to get like a whole bunch of uh, different instructors, but They were all training at health. So I would Mm -hmm. get training from them. But in the daytime, all these guys were training at health. I won the IBJJF Worlds. I won Moon the blue belt, juvenile blue belts at 17 years old. And then after I won that, I decided to make the switch to taking Jiu-Jitsu a little more seriously. And I I went to the place that they were training. I would always visit. Like They would take me along, drag me along in the mornings to come train. And then they would teach at night at the World Team USA, where I was was going. Mm -hmm. And then slowly, I just started going less to World Team and more to health. Kurt Oziander, he was the head instructor at Half Gracie back in the day. He just took me under his wing as a little kid. And that crazy guy kind of raised me a little bit.
0: (laughs) So great. Kurt, so fantastic. So what a lot of people don't know about the Bay Area, and I love that you're a San Francisco boy because I was born in San Francisco too, but I was oh, no raised way. in Sonoma County. So I, I, when you talk about Ocean Avenue, I know exactly all these places that you're talking about. And what's great about the Bay Area is we do a lot of cross-training if people don't realize, you know, so we do, we even have people at our academy that have been to Halfs quite a bit and done some cross-training there and in, in various other Bay Area academies. This is very common to get all these really great people coming through and high-level black belts and things like that visiting. And a lot of people, as Yoshi mentioned, you know, Halfs obviously legendary, Academy that people go through. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, you know, Anthony mm-hmm. Bourdain's uh video he did. He did all this training because House was notorious for having these uh super difficult warm-ups back in the day. I don't know if he's, <laughs> if it's still in totally insane, but you know yeah, uh,
1: those warm-ups back in the day, 30-minute warm-ups every class. And it would be the best when you see a visitor come in. And the visitor would come in on vacation, hey guys, I'm here to train. And then he would just get demolished in the warmups. ups I... yeah, they've been on vacation, they're just hanging out, and then just they're just okay, class is ready to start. We're gonna start drilling and they're already dead it's, yeah. uh, it's calmed down a little bit since then i mean kurt ran yeah. those warm-ups pretty hardcore back in the day it's calmed okay. down since then there's a big like change i think in philosophy is like if we would have yeah. spent instead of 30 minutes doing like push-ups and jumping jacks yeah we were really conditioned but if we would have spent like 30 minutes just doing single legs we would have been in monster wrestlers so it's was like oh yeah we were yeah. tough and it was legendary but i think the the shift in training has shifted to let's just focus more on like working jujitsu and then the strength and conditioning do that on your own time
0: that's great to hear that type of mentality, that evolution in that, that type of uh, mm-hmm. mentality. But I such. still
1: kind of a little bit miss those old days of just being completely like worn out before you hit drilling. I feel like when you do drilling, when you're completely like worn out and tired, not only does your cardio like last you in the tournament, which is, that's a whole another level of like help, but you just really get down to the, being technical, not using your body, not using your force. And so like there was, there was a part of me that still kind of misses that old school hard beat him up mentality. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me, when you stumbled into Halves, what did your first month look like?
1: Oh, man. So, like I said, World Team USA was a big Muay Thai school. And because of that, we had jiu-jitsu. They were really bringing jujitsu in to make it, Mm. evolve Mm. it into more MMA-style school. And so, like, there were big four. When I was a teen, I was was a 15, 16 entering World Team USA. There was four main guys that were competing MMA, like Kai Hollenbeck, Bobby Stack, Nick Dioticos, Michael Fonseca. These were like the four gladiators in our academy. Everyone looked like looked it up like, whoa, I want to be like them. Uh, they're all fit. They're all six packed out. So those are the, the guys that were going to health too, as uh, well with our instructors that were training at health and cross training. And uh-huh. uh, when I got to health, it was mainly traveling with these guys. So it was. Uh, my first introduction was a lot of MMA training, believe it or not. It wasn't just strictly sport jujitsu. And the two main guys that were doing MMA at half at the time were Luke Stewart, Joey Armstrong, I guess three, Joey Armstrong and uh, Kurt Ozeander. They were all fighting. Mm-hmm. They were doing uh, gladiator challenges back at Kizar. They were doing strike force. Mm-hmm. Those were like the MMA events they were doing. So most of the times when I first went to health was mm-hmm. doing a lot of nogi, doing a lot of wall training with them, getting beat up as a little kid. And then my, I was, I just my. remember just walking out of that place, like, oh man, how can i compete with these monsters and then slowly like over time it ended up being like oh this is just everyday life and it made, mm-hmm. I, I can't appreciate them enough for like putting me through that gauntlet and it was such a time because at half right now it's mainly uh there is some mma training but it's mainly for sport jiu-jitsu uh right mm-hmm. now and self-defense and so it's like to just be in that era when kurt was fighting when luke stewart was fighting when all these big guys were fighting uh, from health gracie were fighting mma uh was quite an era to just be walking into the gym
0: so a lot of your base is, it sounds like self-defense. Are you playing like much sport jiu-jitsu? Uh, so I was competing, a lot, like?
1: I was competing mm-hmm. a lot of sport jujitsu. I was competing a lot of sport jujitsu. jitsu I was competing when I was a teenager. I was competing as much as I could. And to anyone listening, if you want to get better at jiu-jitsu, there is no better way than just competing. Even if you're, you're not confident, just go out there. And, and the more repetitions you get, the, the easier it becomes. And it's just like any muscle you work out competition is, is a muscle, I believe. Just being good in training in the gym sometimes won't translate to being good in competition when there's nerves mm. and people watching you and all these different factors and variables in play. So I think just getting out and do, competing and competing as much as you can is going to be like the surefire way to excel in jiu-jitsu. And I was I was getting supported a lot. Kurt was super into competing um, and pushing people to compete. So every tournament there was, oh, do you need a ride? Oh, are you good? Are you good? Are you signed up? Like Kurt was very always always supportive, of, of especially the little ones, making sure that they get out there and compete.
0: Let's talk about move of the day and IG and YouTube. So how did that come about?
1: It's kind of funny how it came about. I was training, then the pandemic hit and I took a big break off of training and I got super out of shape. My weight, when I first started Jiu-Jitsu, when I was 16, I was like 350, 60 pounds. I was a super big boy. And wow. then uh, after a year or two of Jiu-Jitsu, I cut down to like 250. And then wow. I hit college when I was doing the collegiate Judo circuit. My coach was like oh, you're not going to compete unless you're at this weight class because he doesn't want me fighting in the absolute, like like the the open weight. He was like, you're not going to compete at that black belt unless you get to that weight class. So then in college, I got down to the weight. I was like 217, super in shape. After college, I kind of let that go a little bit. And then when pandemic hit, I stopped training completely, picked up video games to fill in the time and more time for eating. So uh, less training completely. So then I just, uh, at at the peak of pandemic, I was like, oh, I'm super out of shape. I got to go back to training. I ended up going back to training and I was talking with Kurt. My first day back was at Kurt. I was visiting him in La Mirinda. He's teaching at La Mirinda Jiu-Jitsu over there in uh, the East Bay. And I was talking with him and all, oh, I want to get back into Jiu-Jitsu. It's it's good to see you again. And we were just talking about his old move of the week. And I was like, I've always been into social media. I stream on Twitch. Like i always like, sometimes I used to stream just our sparring sessions. I would just go live on Twitch at the cave and just put on the Mm. sparring sessions so that Mm. anyone can just join. And I was like, it's, it's not really gaining traction, but I want to do something. And then I just remember I was part of his move of the week when i was a little kid uh it was the blue belt half and he that was one of the move of the weeks he did and we were just talking about it he was like you should do something like that and he kind of put the the seed in my head of like oh maybe i should just start doing moves and especially me coming from a judo background there's a lot of i think judo for jujitsu that i could bring into the into the space and not Mm -hmm. like trying to saying i was copying him but definitely uh a big inspiration very much your own thing yeah yeah it's very very inspired by kurt and yeah. especially in the name of it I wanted to honor what it, what it, what I came from it just was just started off as for fun i was just going to be like i have a lot of crazy moves that are super unorthodox that i use personally that mm-hmm. i've never seen anyone like really use especially there's a lot of like like stand up things that like i just never seen being taught or conveyed and i was like Before I was heavy in the competition and I was like, oh, I'm going to keep these a secret. These are my moves. These are all mine. And now like my focus has changed. Like I just want to have fun with jujitsu. And I think sharing jujitsu and like seeing people succeed with the things that I give them has been so fulfilling and so gratifying and makes me so happy that I just want to do that for the world. So I've just been not like doing a lot, but just one move a week every week. Of something that that is unique to like the game that I play which is going to come to a day where it's like oh what I have no more moves but no hopefully I'm, I'm, I I keep evolving and keep learning so that they keep coming
0: I really appreciate that you say that you honor the spirit of what Kurt was doing mm-hmm. and the name itself and how you you made it your own it's
1: very much your own and it's super fun <laughs> to watch it's been really fun it's been I, didn't, I never thought that it was gonna blow up to what it's become like it's all been doing for like three months now and it's crazy. At first, it was just like, "Oh, I just kind of want to show the guys at health, like, hey, check this out." Crazy. It still blows my mind that what. Yeah, what,
0: yeah, what, we want more, yeah. more Yoshi, please. <laughs> yeah,
1: and it's it's uh, it's funny because I mean, I'm I'm pretty loud at the gym, and I'm pretty I wouldn't say obnoxious, but maybe a little bit, uh, a small kind of obnoxious. I'm just like super loud, and like everyone at the gym's like, oh, okay, shut up." <laughs> but now the internet's like, "Yeah, we love it." <laughs>
0: yeah, I want to talk about your journey from um, purple belt to brown belt. For those purple belts out there, can you? Well, first, let's talk about your journey. What was that mm-hmm. like? Let's talk a little bit about both to the purple belts
1: out there and from my experience. Yeah. Purple belt is the most fun belt you'll ever, ever be a part of. Cause it's like, you've gone past blue belt. So like, you're really addicted to jujitsu. You've actually committed to it. You know, more than the average person you're able to convey, like if someone's making a mistake in class, you can help correct them. So like you've evolved from the blue belt level, but you don't have, I feel like a- as a brown belt, like I'll take this for instance, in training, I was testing out, we were, we were drilling a move, a deep half guard sweep, and I'm drilling out the move. And I wanted to test something out differently. Like, Oh, what if I do this? And off the corner, I see two white belts watching me because they don't know what's going on. They want to see mm-hmm. how to do the move, but they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, he didn't do that one thing. Oh, why didn't he do that one thing? And it's like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. I wasn't doing the proper thing. Cause I was testing out this other thing, but okay. Yeah. yeah you're you're right. supposed to do it this way. So I think proper. purple belt. Okay. Yeah. Purple belt is like, you don't have all that pressure of being like you have to do everything right all the time it's like very exploratory mm. you get to explore what you want to define your jiu as and I think that's like a really fun level to be at is where you've gotten your foundation and you know jiu-jitsu you're like okay if someone asks you spider guard you know what that is lasso guard you know what that is you probably know maybe not a lot of passes but you know a solid pass from every position a solid mm. sweep from every position and maybe a submission from every position right maybe not a bunch of those but you have probably have one solid one and because of that you're able to I feel like in purple belt level, at least for me, that was my exploring phase. That was testing out what kind of game makes, makes it mine. And that was like really fun for me. And I feel like even now when I go against brown belts and when I go against black belts, yeah, I want to try stuff out, but if I start losing, I'm going to go back into my, I'm a, I'm a quote unquote half guard player, but I don't like to say that because mm. I feel like jujitsu is so big that you can't just call You're yourself right. a one player to limit yeah. yourself. But uh, if there's someone who were to call me like something, I'd be a, a half guard player. And because right. of that, like when I start losing to like a better player, okay, I'm just going go to go back into my default, go into half of guard course. and start mm-hmm. hitting my A game. But I feel like yeah. at that purple belt to brown belt, like at that borderline, I was really focusing on checking my ego and starting to, it's okay to lose in the gym a little bit more and don't just default on my my A game because that's not how you really get better at everything else. And so I think that at that belt was like the defining moment of, oh, I'm not just going to do what I do. I'm just going to explore more. And that was like the opening of, of the exploration phase, I feel like, at Purple Belt. And now what is Brown Belt like for you? brown belt has been more so at purple belt it was very selfish at blue belt i was very selfish i was very competition heavy and it was Mm -hmm. all about me Uh, when i was competing it was like what how can i get better who am i going to spar with to make me the best and like picking out my partners picking out the strongest guys in the gym iron sharpens iron type of mentality and then so this backstory i was competing in judo i tore my knee i tore my knee my uh, mcl defending a haraya goshi and just my knee went backwards i rehabbed came back and then like two tournaments later it tore again and so. So ever since that happened, I kind of took a step back from competition and honest. And that's when the Brown Belt, all that kind of happened at the same time Been a Brown Belt for like four years now. And since that happened, my focus has gone less selfish and more into helping others. And now it's not so much about who's going to give me the best role. It's just what can I do to help out the community as well? So I think that switching from competitive side, like only competition side to now I'm training for fun, training for jujitsu really define like kind of like what I'm am as a brown belt. I feel like now as a brown belt, I'm helping out more. I'm trying to just spread the jujitsu lifestyle.
0: So I got to ask you then about blue belt. What are your expectations of a blue belt? Uh, what was your experience like as a blue belt? Cause I hear your emphasis on exploration in purple belt. So I'm wondering, you know, what were you doing in blue belt?
1: I was blue belt for a long time. Okay. Not super proud of that, but I did take a big break of jujitsu for a couple of years. Uh, mm-hmm. life hit me and moved out of the city. So I was living in Oakland. Juj- Judo, Jiu Jitsu wasn't readily available in my area. I was working because I was moved, lived out. And if everyone knows the Bay Area is just impossible to, to pay rent and survive and then still have money to pay for Jitsu. And when, when you're like an 18 year old kid who just moved out. So at 18, yeah. I was still blue belt, but I moved out and I was trying to do like my adult thing. And I was just grinding. I was working all the time. And then I ended up coming back and then I was able to afford Jitsu again after a few years, but I did take a few year breaks, So blue belt, I was blue belt for a long time, like like six, seven years, something like that, because I took a big mm-hmm. break. But even at Half Gracie, Half Gracie is known that like you're not gonna pay for a belt just because you pay tuition for a year doesn't mean you're gonna get a blue belt. You gotta grind for that blue belt. Yeah, unless you're competing heavily. So like when I was at World Team USA, I got my blue belt in like six or seven months because I was competing as a white belt, like all the time. Like as soon Mm -hmm. as I hit, like my first competition was like two months into training and I just competed every month on the month. So I got my blue belt really fast, but Mm -hmm. then I won moon as blue belt and I was just competing. I won American nationals, third place pans, like a lot of the big tournaments, second place, world's no gi at blue belt. I was competing a bunch. And I think that like that big break was something that I like, I look back and as man, I should have kept training, imagine what I could have been now, but everything happens for a reason. And one thing I always tell people is like, oh, jujitsu is always going to be there. So like people say like, oh, I need to get in shape first. Oh, but it's like, you really don't jujitsu is always there. Like you don't need to, you can go get in shape at jujitsu. I always tell people like, just go, just send it. <laughs> Cause that's one of the biggest regrets I have is that I just didn't send it. Like every back then I was like, oh, I gotta get a job. Oh, I gotta work. I gotta be a big thing, like be on my, my own. But I kind of regret, mm-hmm. I should just kind of maybe stayed home and trained a little more. <laughs> so what do you mean by send it? I think the hardest thing to do is to show up to the gym. A lot of people who aren't consistent, they're like, oh, I don't have the time. Well, yeah, you do have the time. If you make the time, the hardest part is literally getting up and driving to the gym. Once you're there, you're there. And then you're in the class and then you finish the class and then you're better. But literally the hardest part is just getting to the gym. So send it, just go, just forget (laughs) about everything. Just go.
0: In terms of a competition, I'm curious, because you competed so much, what did your competition preparation look like?
1: At health, daytime class was the, the, like, the time, back in the day, there was an 11 o'clock competition class. Back in the day, like, daytime was the time to be there. So we would do two days, do daytime at health, and then nighttime at Team USA, where Team USA would just be, like, a regular class, warm-up, drilling, uh, specific training, sparring. Like, that was the formula for the nighttime at uh, World Team. But there was, like, a big drilling emphasis at health Gracie in the morning it's crazy to see like different styles of jujitsu. Kurt Oziander is definitely one of those people that you're going to learn a move and you're going to drill that one move a million times. Mm. And then once he figures out you got that one hip swivel that he wants you to do, then he'll move on to the next step. Whereas Mm. I feel like uh, some instructors are like, they're going to give you a bunch of pieces and you drill it on your own time. So it's kind of see the difference, how it is with different instructors. But Kurt back then, it was really drilling for 30 minutes. And you're going to drill maybe one or two moves. It wasn't going to be a lot of different things you're drilling, but you're going to drill it like the one, one or two moves a lot. So Mm -hmm. I think that foundation of drilling really helped me as a blue belt in competition and, I have to say that it's like a yin and yang thing. I was a judo guy and a jujitsu guy. I won most of my jujitsu tournaments because of my judo. I won mm. most of my judo tournaments because of my jiu-jitsu. So they went hand in hand. So I feel like it kind of helped me out. People knew I was a judo guy. People pull guard on me all the time. And mm. I, I, for a heavyweight to pull guard on a heavyweight is like, oh, that's the best thing ever. Like mm. I don't have to fight. A, I can just smash. Um, yeah, so you're like, on
0: top. Yeah. I'm
1: on top already. So that kind of helped me out. One was like, actually, if I needed to throw them, I could throw them. And two, there was a big, at least was fighting with the same guys in the Bay area. They all knew I was a judo guy. So all the heavyweights would pull guard on me. So like Mm. that helped me out tremendously. Cause then I was just, okay, they're going to pull guard and I smash. But even in judo, I didn't win most of my fights by Ipon, which is a, a perfect throw, throwing them on their back. I won it by kind of grinding them to the ground and pinning them or submitting them. When I hit black belt, a lot of arm bars and chokes came into play because uh, the judo guys were just so uh, like unaware that these angles and these chokes were possible. So I would say like my biggest key to success in, in was the cross training. Like I won most of my fights because of uh, the other sport, believe it or not, how, as weird as that sounds.
0: So, were you doing like two days up to the day before the competition? Or I trade
1: really hard up until about three days before a tournament feel like three days is all I really need to recover. I don't train like maybe the week of I taper down on the sparring. Like maybe it's not two a day sparrings. Maybe it's more just one in the morning. I'll drill. Um, in the night I might do some specifics or I might do a little bit of sparring the week of, but I feel like it's one of those things that I don't want to spend too much time away from because mm. I want to treat the tournament just like another day of sparring. So I, I just want to keep in the same flow that I'm always doing. I'm all, I'm normally rolling twice a day, like at least four or five times a week, and doing sparring both times. So it's kind of just natural. What my body does, and I don't want to break away from that routine too much, but I do want to uh, be strong for the day of the tournament. So it's usually the three days before, it's kind of like nothing, chilling out, stretching, a lot of stretching, and then the the week of I'm kind of tapering down, but still going a little bit. So we touched on this
0: a little bit, but um, warm ups are they BS or not?
1: Yeah. So I used to believe that warm ups are very crucial because one, okay, yeah, a hard warm up is very crucial because like for the judo tournaments at USF judo, it was a bunch of college kids. And I felt like we really, my, my sensei, he's really big on conditioning. So he'll do a lot of high interval intensity training, like during class, uh, he'll split us up into groups. We'll do circuit training. It's just not just judo or technique and sparring. He'll break us up and he'll do a lot of conditioning. And I felt like for us, that was like one of the biggest things that made us better. Like San Jose State, of course, they had the instructors from Japan and the better technique, but we could outlast them sometimes uh, just from the conditioning. And mm-hmm. so, like to me in my mind growing up, that was like, oh, that's very important. We gotta have a hard warm up so we stay conditioned because what if the fighters aren't gonna do that in their spare time? They they will just do that a little bit here and hopefully they'll do some on their spare time too. Now I'm kind of coming to the thing, well, not everybody's in this sport for competition. Some people wanna just do this for fun, or some people are just trying to get better at jujitsu itself intrinsically. So mm-hmm. while I think okay, maybe you don't need to kill yourself and go crazy on the warm up. I think warm-ups are very vital for not getting hurt, like longevity in jujitsu. So in that aspect, I think that they are important. So overall, I would say no, warmups are not BS, but I think there is a difference when you're looking at competition and when you're looking at uh, like leisurely jujitsu, but both are very important for just, I think getting injured less.
0: So jumping jacks versus like a situational sort of technique drill or something like that.
1: So a little bit of jumping jacks just to get the blood flowing and a little bit Mm. of stretching. I think so you're not
0: averse to running in circles, jumping jacks, shrimping up and down the mats?
1: No, I think all those like different types of exercises have things in it that are helpful for jujitsu, whether even that be maybe not doing that all the time and forever, but a little bit like moving two steps in, two steps out, gets your coordination down for stand up uh, when you're going in a circle, high knees, butt kickers, just keeps you flexible and gets your mobility going. So I think all those things have little pieces that are important
0: your thoughts on the belt system? Do we need to redefine the belt system? And have you thought about it
1: much? Uh, i've been doing jiu-jitsu since what 2007 so i've been mm-hmm. i've been doing it a long time and the belt used to mean something to me like oh when i was a blue belt i was like oh man i wish i was purple belt when i was purple belt i was like oh man brown belt's gonna be so cool and then i don't know something happened where it's like i just realized the belt is just two inches that covers or like holds your jacket together that's really mm-hmm. it. it doesn't make you better it doesn't make you worse it's kind of like a thing that shows how long you've been here kind of show like especially to guide the beginners, like the white belts and the blue belts, who can they go to and who can they ask? I think that part is important, but I think that when ego gets into it, oh, I'm a, I'm a three-stripe, oh, I'm a four-stripe, or like any of that, that's kind of nonsense, which is funny. We just started Stripes at Half Gracie recently. Half just re- reintroduced it. I never wow. grew up with Stripes. So wow. having stri- I had Stripes when I was at World Team USA, so white belt. And then I had stripes on my brown belt now, but every belt in between, I never had stripes. So it's kind of interesting to see like it was there and then it wasn't and now it's there again. Yeah. I've never given out a belt, so I don't like know for sure, but I would think that our instructors, especially at half, they kind of def- like weigh that out when like, are you a mm. competitor black belt? Are you uh, just for fun black belt? Or like, or like if they're going to give you your black belt, like how long, or even a blue belt, like what your purpose and what your goals are, with Jiu Jitsu defines also how you get promoted. If a guy's like really grinding out, for a belt and like for a competition, he's competing, 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 competing. It's funny. It could go both ways. I've seen guys that get promoted faster so they can get to the next, next competition. But I've also seen some people like they win a bunch of tournaments and they stay at the same belt so they can continue to win a bunch of tournaments. And it seems like, oh, well, (laughs) that guy should be promoted. He's been winning a bunch of tournaments or maybe he just didn't win the tournament. He won a bunch, Mm. but not the tournament. So they want him to Mm. win the tournament. And so or him or her. So it's like I have seen both sides. And I think that that part is where like it gets sticky with promotions. Right. Because then it's like. Mm. There's no like middle ground or like foundational guidelines for people, best practices for professors to go by It's so subjective. But I do think mm. like for there's a, the sport guy who wants to compete a lot is going to be judged differently than the guy who's just coming three times a week and he wants to get in shape and he's just having fun. So I think like, yeah, there's a difference between, and then even that that guy does it for 10 years. Like there's the the competitive black belts, like you're beast in the gym. Like, okay. That guy's a monster. That guy's mm-hmm. a, a straight demon. And then there's the guy, Oh, that guy's been training for 12 years. He's good. But you know, maybe really in shape blue belt or purple belt will go through him because it's not, it's not his focus. He just wants to train for, for fun. There are like your monsters that are in the gym and there are also your, like your higher level belts that are just kind of more leisurely. I think professors still like weigh that out too, but I don't think that takes away anything from them. I think they're still both black belts. They both earned it. They're just two different, Mm -hmm. two different focuses within jujitsu. Yeah. I agree. Your thoughts on belt testing. I come from a judo background and there's always two, two paths. There's a path of competition path. And there's like the testing path where it's like, do you know the names and the form and the kata? And like, you can get a brown belt from testing Or you can get a belt through like trial by fire, which is a competition. So there was Mm -hmm. always that two things. I never really liked the testing side because I was like, oh, well, if a person really studies a lot and they can't do the throw either, like if they're just all meta, if they can tell you every single thing and they can write each throw in perfect hiragana Mm -hmm. and katakana and they, but Mm -hmm. they can't do the throw that, that kind of says something. So it's like, I think with all martial arts, like if you look at martial arts in general, there's some martial arts that are more martial and some that are more artsy. I think the ones that fall in the artsy category, testing is okay because I guess like that form and like the katas are more important and that those can be judged I think a little bit more I think judo, jiu-jitsu, muay thai, wrestling fall more on the martial side and I think that on those sides I think how you get promoted should be through trial by fire how you perform either in competition or how you perform in sparring in the gym I think time in, in the role plays plays an effect and a li- like after a few years of course if the guy even if the guy's really bad after six years of course he deserves his blue belt or whatever but I still think that the martial arts that fall on the more Marshall side, I think should step away from the, the belt testing and go into more of like, have they earned it through doing the practice itself.
0: So let's talk about the evolution of your game. Where do you want your game to go? Additionally, where do you wish you were better at?
1: It's such a crazy question, it's so funny. Thanks for asking that. Because my game, like, I'm five seven right now, I'm like 225, I'm working on that though. But uh, before I was like 300 pounds, I was a big boy, and I was just get on top and I would just smash pass, like, smash pass, cross face, smash pass through. For a while, I was really bad on my back, and I was like, okay. I'm just going to train off my back, no matter what. I don't care if you, whoever you are for this next, I think it was like three months, four months. I was like for four months during sparring, I'm only pulling guard. I'm only pulling guard, half guard or full guard. No, if, ands or buts and that switch, like for, I hated it so much in the beginning. I hated it so much, but that switch really changed my game because right now, even if I'm fighting, i could be fighting Bushesha, like in the gym, he could show up for a practice. The best guy, biggest guy, strongest guy. I'm probably going to pull bottom half guard because I've just trained myself so much to do it. So like now I'm bottom player and where I would like to get better is I've, I want to get better at my smash passing. I think I like, I neglected smash passing. Cause I was so big and I just didn't want to rely on my weight at the gym. I wanted to, mm-hmm. that's one thing, like I'm always bigger, but like, if I do something, even if I am bigger, I don't want it to be because I'm bigger. Like, I really want to show you, I did the position because I'm good at that position, not because mm-hmm. I'm bigger than you. So mm-hmm. I really take pride and like, make sure that like my technique is on point. My motto, speed and power will come, but technique has to be solid first. So I slow down, I take power off because I just want to make sure that it's super crispy. And I think that doing that over and over and putting myself in that uncomfortable situation was so helpful because I found that. That, oh, I'm actually really comfortable on bottom. Being bottom half guard is that's like home base for me now. One of my biggest influences was Sean Roberts. Uh, he did a podcast with you recently. That was a great podcast. Yeah. Listen to that. Mm-hmm. Sean Roberts was super inspirational in my jujitsu. We were both, mm-hmm. uh, he was a little bit ahead of me, but we yeah. both grew up in health together. Him and Luke Stewart both did this move called the Giggler. And that's my bread and butter. Everything starts off from that move. Which is I funny. Seen a video I of you hitting it like crazy. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's so fantastic. It's funny. Everyone's like, "How come you haven't done the move of the week on that?" And I'm just like, "Well." yeah great idea the giggler the, or the move of the day the giggler is a it's not like a super sexy move it's kind of just like okay but that's so why I was like there's some things I wanted to show first before I hit that in the move of the week but it's funny because that's literally my bread and butter and Luke Stewart for those who don't know he did a MMA fight with Strike Force against Andre Galvao he swept Andre Galvao in Nogi with this sweep wow. and it was just like oh, I still think that fight oh, man if you would have won like the judges have a fight it was crazy but uh, Luke Stewart like, like and seeing that and then having sean roberts like hitting that on me sean roberts would destroy me with gigglers and triangles all day he would even tell me like it's coming and there would be no stopping it it would just giggle me and then, or he would if i would try to fight the giggler off and he'd end up trying like both those guys really helped like define my half guard and like made half guard super comfortable for me so like i think like that's where like my game is now my game is very half guardy what I'd like to get better on as I'm a big fan of tying people up with the gi. I don't really do much no gi. I'm mainly in the gi. So pajama gang, if you guys are a pajama gang, shout out to y'all. So I love tying people up with their own gis or with my own gi. So I've been working a little bit of squid guard stuff, but I really like, especially on top, I have a whole series of tying up their lapels and kind of tricking them with my lapel so they don't know what's going on. And then ended up mm. like, I have an option to either choke them with their lapel or choke them with my lapel, depending on on how they try to escape that tie up. So I've been really exploring tying people up with their own geese. And like, that's kind of where I want my game to go. And then, like I said, I want to get back into smash passing. I feel like I kind of neglected being a big guy for a long time. And I kind of lo- forgot how to be a big guy a little bit. Cause I I'm always pulling guard now. So I'd, I think I'd want to just focus on getting better at my passing and then also exploring like all the different tie ups, like squid guard, worm guard, things that I never really played with before, cause it's not really taught at health like lapel guard's not a big thing that's taught at health so going on my own doing my own studying and then actually for like teaching wise i think that there's this like all right for judo if you you throw someone flat on their back you win the fight if you throw them on their stomach nothing's scored the fight continues so Mm. in judo a guy doesn't want to throw you on your stomach but in jujitsu if you throw a guy on your stomach you still get the two points so i think there's a whole avenue of judo throws Mm. that are useless for judo because it's just a waste of energy, right. but are amazing for jujitsu. Like I have this bear hug from the back. I can mm-hmm. hit a hip toss from the back and you'll land on your stomach, which is horrible for judo. Cause I just wasted that energy and the rest is going right. to stand us to back up. But now right. I've initiated groundwork and I've gotten my two points in jujitsu. So wow. right now I'm exploring judo that is bad for judo, but great for jujitsu. So that's things that I'm in the lab on.
0: Can you tell me time when you experienced something in, in jiu-jitsu that changed the direction or approach to your jiu-jitsu?
1: I won Worlds in 2007 as a juvenile, and that week there was a Gracie camp uh, with Gracie Baja, And Hmm. as a teenager, I was on the mat with Hodger Gracie when Hodger Gracie was in his prime time. That was like one of the big defining moments of like, oh, I want to take this seriously. I want to get better at this. Mm. Just training with Hodger was like a dream come true. I actually have one of his geese that says Hodger on the back. And I was training in that for forever. And now I don't want to train it because I want to rip it. But yeah, like, I love that gi so much. He didn't give it to me directly. He actually gave it to a uh, Felipe Jerry and Jerry gave it to me. <laughs> but we were all, he was, we were all the same. He was like, oh, give it to, give it to him. They call me Batata, which is uh, Portuguese for big potato. So he's like, oh, yeah. I'll give it to Batata. And it's crazy because when though. he gave me the gi, I was big it barely fit. And then slowly I was like, oh, I'm going to, it started to fit. Uh, and then dope. I competed in it at world's purple belt. And so, yeah, that was like a big moment in Jiu-Jitsu where I was like, wow, this is crazy. Being a teenager wearing Hadjus Gi around, that was really like something special. That I like, wow, uh, that's a defining moment of like, wow,
0: jiu is really cool. So to take a hard pivot, can you tell us the time you wanted to quit?
1: Oh, well, I'll tell you the time I did quit. <laughs> Uh, again i was i moved out i wanted to be a big kid i was with a girlfriend who wasn't like the most supportive of jujitsu always like oh you're always there why don't you hang out with me and like mm-hmm. if you guys if, if anyone's listening if you have a girl like that train so much Got more it. important at the time i thought oh she's more important and uh but it's funny how like that is so it's like yeah those are things that i kind of just let life come at me and again being in the bay area like okay you're an 18 year old kid and just moved out oh I-, I can be independent i can be on my own but man the bay area is expensive that's tough that it's expensive tough. out here. So uh, I think that like just trying to survive on my own was like a little too early and I just had to, had to take a break. I just couldn't afford jujitsu. It's just, everything's expensive and paying for transportation. Like right now, if you want to train at 11 AM class at Half Gracie, if you park there, that's $3 an hour. That's probably $6 no there. Yeah. So that's $6 in training every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Then if you go two days, you're going to pay maybe an hour at night and then until it becomes free parking. So it's yeah. like uh, everything, everything costs <laughs> in the Bay area. <laughs>
0: And some of you people don't realize, you know, but these meter maids are relentless. Yeah, man. In San Francisco, it's no joke. If you get a ticket, holy, (laughs) they nail you.
1: Yeah, it's pretty bad. So like, you see, it's funny. You see like at the academy, some guy will say meter maid and you'll see a whole bunch of guys and geese (laughs) running with flip-flops out trying to go pay their meters.
0: Advice to those who haven't won gold yet. Mm. They've competed and they just, they're not winning for whatever Mm. reason.
1: If your goal is to just win and come home with first place. I think that's the wrong attitude to have. I think if you just go with the goal of like, I'm going to be the best jujitsu person I can be, the best me I can possibly be, and I'm just going to go have fun. I think the people forget is, oh, we're doing this to have fun, guys. Like this isn't your job where you're not getting paid to go win a jujitsu tournament. You're doing jujitsu and you're competing because one, jujitsu is fun and you want to see how good you are. If your goal is like, oh, I'm getting close to the podium or or I'm almost at first place, but I never got first place, like that's okay. It's okay to, to not be maybe the best in the room, but if you're not being the best self, that's a problem. If you put if you gave your effort and you put everything you got and you trained as hard as you could and you went out there and gave it your all, then be happy, you know, like you gave it your best shot, no regrets. But I think if people who like go out there and be like, Oh, I need to win this tournament. I think that gets into their head and it kind of holds them back from being the best them they can possibly be mm-hmm. because they, they just so much put the, so much pressure on themselves. And their, their goal is like, is this extrinsic thing. It's like, almost like your ego is wanting this thing more than, more than you. It's like, Oh, I have to win this tournament. But I think that when you just like focus on being the best you, and then going out there and giving it your all, it kind of falls into play like i never went to a tournament thinking like oh i'm I'm gonna win like i'm gonna win this tournament it's just i'm gonna be the best i can be and whatever happens happens and i think that took a lot of pressure off me and allowed me to like just go out there and do what i do i'm notoriously known for sleeping before matches one of my favorite things is like they'll be like they'll wake me up on the corner and be like hey it's your time to go because for tournaments i think like well, this is kind of sidetracking, but I do want to support my friends. But if I'm competing at a high level tournament, my adrenaline levels, when I watch my friends compete goes through the roof and it, mm. it's it's high and then it's a break and then it's high and then it's break. And then by the time yeah. I compete, I'm like exhausted. So mm. I kind of just go to the side and take a nap. And then even like before the finals, even before the finals, like the, the collegiate nationals, they had to fix something with the rest. And I was just kind of on the side, just kind of sleeping. And then they woke me yes. up and then there was like, okay, it's time to fight. And I feel like just relaxing and letting go and just kind of being, I guess when you're too tense, you can't be the best you. And I feel like just relaxing and and just, if you want to win a tournament, it doesn't come the day of the tournament. It comes like all the days you put into practice. So it's like, you want to win a tournament, then do two days, go to practice and have fun with jiu-jitsu Don't put the podium on a pedestal, I guess you could say, because it's just a piece of hardware, man. I guess it comes with clout and it comes with all these things. And like, yeah, it's cool to win tournaments, but just be the best you you could possibly be.
0: Let's talk about the new talent. Is there anyone that's exciting you?
1: I haven't been watching as much jiu as I should, but it seems like a lot of the stuff is really no-gi heavy right now. And I would love mm. to see like a resurgence in gi just because that's where what, that's what my passion is. Hey, Ren Gracie is, is doing killer things in the gi, the AOJ kids, like all the AOJ kids, I'm super excited for. Titan Dalpra, oh my God, these kids are monsters. Seeing those kids and the Southern California gi community, like especially Sean Roberts has a bunch of killer kids too at Sector. So like, that's, what's really um, exciting me.
0: Your thoughts on the future of jiu
1: I mean, jujitsu is huge. Jujitsu is, I feel like, I think it's, it hasn't really been bigger right, than it is yeah. right now. I think it has a long way to go still, but I think it's, it's super huge compared to what it was like. We have fight to wins in the United States. We have fight to win things where it's like, it's not a tournament. It's just one single fight. It's a show. There's like lights and smoke machines and music. It's like super fights, like a, a full list of super fights, pretty much. I think the direction is going is great.
0: Can you talk about some uh, jujitsu uh, practitioners that you admire?
1: Again, Hodrick Gracie is someone I really admire. Sean Roberts, Luke Stewart, the half guys that I really admire. There was this guy, people probably don't know him today, Luis Biggie Mac Theodoro. He was this big, huge guy. When I was like, this is back in the day, Biggie Mac was like this big, huge guy from Brazil. And he wouldn't win like first place, but he maybe once in a while, he won pants. He won first, like back in like, maybe like oh9 like 2010, like back in the day. And just Seeing a big guy move like that, because like this is like back then jujitsu was like everyone was like super in shape, but like seeing this one big guy that would just demolish people on the scene. This is like very cool. Yeah. That guy was like really inspirational for my jiu-jitsu back in the day. So Luis Biggie Mac. Nice. We got to all Google him right after this. (laughs) (laughs) But Hodger Gracie has probably been probably the one that I looked up to the most just because his uh, application of the basics and his, he was never scared to stand up. And as I'm a Judo person, Hodger will pull guard, but he was never afraid to stand up straight with you and just fight you. And so I always really admired that. And then Mm -hmm. at least for the new school, um, again, AOJ, Mendez Brothers have always been two jiu-jitsu black belts that I've really looked up to. Mendez Brothers, their passing system. Like there was that Hicks and Gracie Cup highlights. If you want to relax and watch jiu-jitsu, go to YouTube and type in Mendez Brothers Hicks and Gracie Cup highlights. And there was a tournament in Japan and even the music's good. So, (laughs) but (laughs) they're just passing and they're dancing and they're just dancing. And that's the style of jiu-jitsu that I kind of want to emulate where it's like, it's not like super like strong or bully-like, But there's just constant movement and they're constantly attacking different angles. So there's just so many different levels of focus that the person doesn't know what to do. I kind of utilize that in my own training nowadays, where it's like, I might not even want to make that grip on you, but I'm going to make a point of touch. I'm going to touch you in a whole bunch of different areas to get your senses kind of messed up. And then I'm going right. to attack you because then I feel like the Mendes brothers are really good at messing with your senses and yeah. misdirecting you with movement. Those are the kind of like jujitsu Mount Rushmore, I guess.
0: <laughs> All right, Yoshi. So where can we get more information about you and everything you're
1: doing? You can find me on Instagram, all social medias. I'm under the same name, Yoshi underscore SF. You can find me on all socials. If you want to come train with me, you're more than welcome. I train in the mornings at Half Grace San Francisco and I train at night times in the Cape Academy in Pacifica. So DM me on Instagram. If you ever want to come train, you're more than welcome. And let's have some fun. Shout out to Half Gracie for teaching me all these badass things. Shout out to Kurt Oziander for, for being an absolute legend. Shout out to Show Your Role. They're sponsoring me now. So shout out to Show Your Role. Love you guys just come train with me. Can't I say that to everybody. And I don't, I don't mean in a cliche way, like come out, come train. I'm from San Francisco. I know all the good food places. We'll go out to eat. Just That's have nice. some fun.
0: <laughs> well, everyone out there, thanks so much for listening again. Another week. I am your host, Adolfo Fronda. Please give us the whole five-star review on Spotify, Apple. You guys know the whole routine. Check out our swag, buy our stuff. Yoshi, you're the man. Thanks so much for making time. Being on the show Thank was you, a Adolfo. lot of fun, brother. I appreciate
1: you. Peace.